Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit. Bullshit is rampant. Total fucking bullshit. B -b bullshit. This makes no fucking sense. I mean, it's just bullshit. Fuck. B -b bullshit. This is bullshit. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Welcome back to Bullshit Filter, the news number eight. Yeah. 28th of May 2018. How are you, Papa Bear? I am ready to bring down the man, the white college educated. Wait a minute. That's you. Anyway, okay, let's yeah. bring down. Yeah. Bring down <laughs> yourself. Got some juicy stories to talk about this week. I want to start with uh, the coming collapse by Chris Hedges. Chris Hedges, uh, one of my favourite journalists for many years. Um, mm -hmm. He's a guy that I quite often uh, turn to. Um, he's an American journalist, uh, visiting Princeton lecturer. Lecturer. Mm. Um <coughs> A Presbyterian minister, funnily enough, also oh. went to Harvard Divinity School. Um, uh, but he's a, a, a great journalist and um, what a Pulitzer Prize, I think, at some point. He just published an article this week called The Coming Collapse, uh, which uh, resonated with me, Ray. I don't know about you, but mm -hmm. he, he said a lot of things that I've been saying for the last couple of years, but he said them far more intelligently and articulately. <laughs> Articularly, yes, Lily. There we go. Um, the Trump administration did not rise prima facie like Venus on a half shell from the sea. Donald Trump is the result of a long process of political, cultural, and social decay. He is a product of our failed democracy. The longer we perpetuate the fiction that we live in a functioning democracy, that Trump and the political mutations around him are somehow an aberrant deviation that can be vanquished in the next election, the more we will hurtle toward tyranny. The problem is not Trump. How many times have you heard me say that over the last couple of years, Ray? Yeah, yeah. He's just uh, an indication, a symptom of the times. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, Trump was inevitable, a Trump-esque figure. Anyway, was right. inevitable in America with the way you've been going for the last 30-odd years. Anyway, back to Hedges. Uh, the problem is not Trump. It is a political system dominated by corporate power and the mandarins of the two major political parties in which we don't count. We will wrest back political control by dismantling the corporate state. And this means massive and sustained civil disobedience like that demonstrated by teachers around the country this year. If we do not stand up, we will enter a new dark age. Um, now, again, uh, not trying to, 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 to big note myself at all, but because my interpretation of these things comes from guys like Hedges and, and, and Chomsky and other people that I've read over the years and who I think have a good take uh, that seems to explain what's going on. But I've been saying this ever since Trump sort of, started to win the Republican primaries is that this is kind of a symptom of all of the things that's wrong with America, which is just as what he explained, a political system where people really don't get to count. Um, that's, that's run by corporate power, corporate wealth, uh, and, and corporate propaganda to a large extent. Now, something I wanted to talk about, the main reason I wanted to talk about this is he quotes 
um, from a guy whose uh, books I started reading last year, Sheldon Wolin. You ever come across Sheldon Wolin in your travels, Papa Bear? No, no, I have not. I only came across him a couple of years ago when he died, unfortunately. Uh, Sheldon Wallen was an American political theorist, uh, died in 2015, aged 93, so not a bad innings. Um, uh, and and his, one of his key ideas, anyway, is this idea of inverted totalitarianism. Mm. So it was his term for something like a managed democracy. So he's basically suggesting that America is becoming increasingly totalitarian as a result of all of the sort of military mobilizations that's happened in the last 60, 70 years, probably going back to World War II and then the Cold War and, and, and Vietnam and all the wars that were involved in the Cold War through September 11th and all of the things that have happened since then. And he says, like... Inverted totalitarianism isn't like the totalitarianism that we, we're we used to seeing in places like the Soviet Union or China or even uh, Germany or Cuba uh, in the 20th century. Um, this is slightly different, and, and it's important that we understand what it, what it looks like and how it works. It... it, it doesn't have the big um, demagogue or the, the 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 charismatic leader at the top of the chain. You don't have it. Doesn't have a Mao or or a Stalin or a, mm-hmm. or a Castro or, or one of these guys or or a Kim, a Kim Jong Il or Un. It um, is more represented by sort of faceless, anonymous corporations that run mm-hmm. things. And they uh, play a charade where they make it appear like there is an electoral system that works, that there's a constitution that matters, that there are civil liberties that are protected, that there's freedom of the press, independence of the judiciary, all of the iconography of American patriotism. But they've basically seized all of the mechanisms of power. In such a way that the the citizens don't really have a lot of say about what's going on. They will make it look like and feel they have some sort of say, but really they don't. I like the part in his book, his quote, he goes, one cannot point to any national institution or institutions that can accurately be described as democratic. Surely not the highly managed, money-saturated elections, the lobby-infested Congress, the imperial presidency, the class-biased judicial and penal system, or least of all, the media. In other words, to sum up, like you were saying a second ago, the citizen is irrelevant. He he or she is nothing more than a spectator allowed to vote and then to be forgotten once the carnival of elections ends and the corporations that you were just stressing and their lobbyists get back to running the actual country. We are left out. We are relevant. We are, we are, I guess, uh, we are the audience. We are no longer the main drivers, if we ever were, of our own democracy. Yeah. I mean, as an American, does that sound familiar? Oh, it's when I read this, and like you, I wish I had come across this guy. I'm going to go and get the two books mentioned in this article. I'm going to go get those. But yeah, it, it was pretty much spot on. It's just a game. It's a shell game. 
we, we bitch and moan, but all, but it's nothing more than political entertainment to get worked up. Um, it was like watching the uh, OJ trial. We all know that he's guilty, but the entertainment was to see if he could get away with it. And so when we get all worked up and we po- post stuff on Facebook and all this stuff, it's just a game to keep us busy, to keep us distracted. We are not um, in charge of our own country or the institutions of power in our own country anymore. And Sheldon Wallen's, Wallen's perspective while he was still alive and, uh, and Chris Hedges' perspective in this article is that until Americans in general accept all of this stuff, they can't fix it. When, when, you right. can, when they continue to believe in the fantasy that, as he said, Trump's just an anomaly and that the Democrats are going <laughs> to come along like the cavalry yeah. in the midterms and the save next us. president election and save them, then when yeah. they think that's the solution, it's, uh, it's you know, there's not going to be any serious systemic uh, reform when you still fall for that easy um, uh, fantasy, I guess. Yeah. You go, oh, we don't need to do anything. We just... Uh, he finishes off his... Uh, Chris Hedges, this is his article, by saying this. As a foreign correspondent, I covered collapsed societies, including the former Yugoslavia. It is impossible for any doomed population to grasp how fragile the decayed financial, social, and political system is on the eve of implosion. All the harbingers of collapse are visible. Crumbling infrastructure chronic underemployment and unemployment, the indiscriminate use of lethal force by police, political paralysis and stagnation, an economy built on the scaffolding of debt, nihilistic mass shootings in schools, universities, workplaces, malls, concert venues and movie theatres, opioid overdoses that kill some 64,000 people a year, an epidemic of suicides, unsustainable military expansion, gambling as a desperate tool of economic development and government revenue, the capture of power by a tiny corrupt clique, censorship, the physical diminishing of public institutions ranging from schools and libraries to courts and medical facilities, the incessant bombardment by electronic hallucinations to divert us from the depressing sight that has become America and keep us trapped in illusions. We suffer the usual pathologies of impending death. I would be happy to be wrong, but I've seen this before. I know the warning signs. All I can say is get ready. Now, of course... Unlike the collapse of Yugoslavia, when the U.S. goes down, it takes all of us with it. Yeah. Because all, yes. as we saw in the global financial crisis of 2008, our global economy is tied <clears throat> to the health of the American economy, not to mention the fact that America's got a bunch of nukes that are going to fall into the hands of crazy people along the way and a huge military complex that's going to run off the rails. You know, when... It, when America collapses, your your military are just going to go, oh, well, we'll go and find another job now. They're going to end up as mercenaries for the, right. for the, to the highest bidders. Um, anyway, like it's, it really is a, a sort of a apocalyptic Mad Maxian scenario, I think. Climate change on one hand and America going belly up on the <laughs> other hand. It's just, it's not, it's not looking good, man. Yeah. 
If if I can just add to that, because I am a registered Democrat, and like, again, I read this article, and well, no, we're just going to we got to wait and get Trump voted out, and then we can get some common sense in there. No, 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 no. He pretty much nailed the Democratic Party. I'm just going to read this this the short. Uh, thing he says about the Democrats, all the Democratic leaders that you could possibly think of, Schumer, Pelosi, all them, they're pretty much propped up by the corporations. They were, they got their power and they're keeping their power by the corporations. But these very same people will not fight to pay workers a living wage. It will not defy the pharmaceutical and insurance industries to provide Medicare for all. It will not curb the voracious appetite of the military that is disemboweling the country and promoting the prosecution of futile and costly foreign wars. It will not restore our lost civil liberties, including the rights of privacy, freedom from government surveillance, and due process. It will not get the corporate and dark money out of politics. It will not demilitarize our police police and reform our prison system that has 25% of the world's prisoners, even though the United States only makes up 5% of the world's population. So until the Democrats or whatever party can take all these various things on, they are not the hope. They are part of the problem. Yeah, which is part of the reason why Trump got elected in the first place, because they... People were pissed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. People were angry. People were pissed. Um, and it's not all about that. I mean, we know that it wasn't just the poor working class that got Trump in. There was a lot of wealthy and Christian voters that certainly um, mm-hmm. played a big role. But it was some of it. It was part of it. Um, yeah. They're not a legitimate progressive political party. And I think enough people have woken up to that over the years. They just don't believe their rhetoric and bullshit anymore. Um, I also like this section from Hedge's article where he says uh, the press is one of the principal pillars of Trump's despotism. It chatters endlessly like 17th century courtiers at the court of Versailles about the foibles of the monarch while the peasants lack bread. It drones on and on and on about empty topics such as Russian meddling and a payoff to a porn actress that have nothing to do with the daily hell that, for many, defines life in America. It refuses to critique or investigate the abuses by corporate power, which has destroyed our democracy and economy and orchestrated the largest transfer of wealth upward in American history. The corporate press is a decayed relic that, in exchange for money and access, committed cultural suicide. And when Trump attacks it over fake news, he expresses once again the deep hatred of all those the press ignores. The press worships the idol of Mammon as slavishly as Trump does. It loves the reality show presidency. The press, especially the cable news shows, keeps the lights on and the cameras rolling so viewers will be glued to a 21st century version of the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. It's good for ratings, it is good for profits, but it accelerates the decline. So, uh, again, yeah, stuff, you know, we've been talking about for years. He nails it there. And that leads me directly on to the next story I want to talk about, which is Elon Musk. Because Elon Mm. Musk has said he's going to fix journalism. Um, Oh, good. (laughs) Yeah. And the the press going batshit crazy over it. Oh, they're not happy that Elon has choose to criticise them, chosen to criticise them, I think is probably the better word. Um, (laughs) I've been reading a whole ton of stories where the media are like, fuck Elon Musk. They loved Elon Musk last week. They're like, it's a bit like Julian Assange. When Julian Assange was attacking the Bushes, oh, they fucking love Julian Assange. As soon as he turned around and started attacking the Democrats, they're like, fuck him, he's a stooge for Trump and the Russians. 
Same with Elon Musk. When he when he's making cars and, and power walls and putting rockets in space, they fucking love him. As soon as he turns on the media, they're like, who the fuck do you think you are, Elon Musk? Uh, <laughs> Vox, here's an article from Vox from the other day. They're, they're comparing him to Donald Trump um, because he was uh, criticizing the media and saying, you know, it, 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 here's, here's him on Twitter. Um the holier-than-thou hypocrisy of big media companies who lay claim to the truth but publish only enough to sugarcoat the lie is why the public no longer respects them. Going to create a site where the public can rate the core truth of any article and track the credibility score over time of each journalist, editor, and publication. Now, funnily enough, this is an idea I myself had a uh, number mm-hmm. of years ago. Um Talked to Tony Kynaston about it. Said we should do that. Uh, I didn't do it because I've been doing other things. But uh, same sort of idea. Like, and, and I totally agree with him. You know, it gets back to Chris Hedges article. The media is 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 um, not not entirely. There are good journalists. There are good publications. But it's getting harder and harder to find those and know who to trust and who to believe. Most of it is just uh, a shell of of what the media. Yeah once was and what still it claims to be. Everyone pretty much knows that. Um, so they're not kidding anyone. But you should see the media just blowing up this week, criticising Elon Musk. Um, he, you know, he he said that, yeah, you know, they're basically just write stories that click baity to drive advertising. All the journalists are claiming they yeah. don't do that. But, of course, they do do that, and we all know they do do that. Um, but the the... This is the thing, one of the things I've talked about in my book. The journalists, they they honestly probably don't think they do that because the ones that 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 survive in these mm-hmm. corporate media rooms have so drunk the Kool Aid and bought into the right. world that they live in, they don't even know that they're doing that, right? They because the ones. Yeah, they- Justified it to himself. Well, justified it, or they just uh, uh, they they are blind oh. to what's going on. Like oh. the the journalists who refuse to go along with the game, either don't get hired in the first place because they're screened out as troublemakers, or they get fired once they get in because they're troublemakers and they're not going along with the the corporate plan. Or they right. fire themselves. They quit because they don't want to go along with the the bullshit that's happened in media. And there's plenty of I know plenty of journalists like that can tell stories about what they did and didn't do, refused to do, and the tensions that it created in the newsroom. The ones that are left that are defending the media are the ones that are part of the problem. They're they're part of the corporate <laughs> journalist system, and they, of course they think it's great. Um, Either they, as you say, they fill themselves or they're blind to it. But anyway, the, the great irony of the, the humorous part of Elon's plan is this company, which he apparently is already registered. Uh, somebody found the um, uh, filing for it. Uh, he's incorporated. He's going to call it Pravda, <laughs> which is, of course, the name of the official uh, uh, news publication in Soviet Russia. It's Russian for truth. Um, so he's calling him Pravda, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Do, 
is is that yeah, I was going to say one is that his attempt at humor and two I don't know Elon Musk from the man a uh, man on the moon no pun intended is he is he always been this sensitive to when he is criticized publicly I, d- I don't know anything about him yeah well that's the other thing obviously the journalists are saying well he's doing this because Tesla his car company got some uh, criticism recently from the media and that and this is his sort of Trump esque payback. Right. Um, yeah, look, I, I think he's like any uh, business person. He he mm-hmm. doesn't like criticism. He's got obviously got a big ego. He's obviously a very smart guy, very successful guy. Came out of uh, PayPal. I think he was one of the original founders of... I can oh. never remember if it was PayPal or eBay, but I think it was PayPal. I think um, you're right. Yeah? Yeah, because uh, I did some research. I was going to invest in it. I remember coming across his name. Right. Um, he got a PhD in applied physics from Stanford, dropped out, started a company, sold it, started another company, which merged with another company, which then became PayPal. Yeah. Mm. So, um, been around a long time, very successful, very smart guy. Um, and yeah, I'm sure he's sensitive to criticism. I'm sure he's got a big ego, but uh, he's not wrong in what he's saying about the media from my perspective and Chris Hedges' oh, yeah. perspective. <clears throat> Media's broken and it's increasingly difficult for most of us to be able to tell what we can trust and what we can't. And, and you know, I think um, Reddit used to do a pretty good job of that. Reddit mm-hmm. enabled people to vote and to criticize and analyze stories. So for many years, if I saw a story in, in reading the news and I thought, yeah, that's I wonder if that's legit or not, I'd go to Reddit, find the story in Reddit, and look at the analysis and the breakdown, uh, particularly like if it's a bit of science news, you could go to Reddit and you would read scientists giving commentary on the article <laughs> and breaking it down and... and experts in, in, in any field. Unfortunately, Reddit suffers from what most other news organizations, it got bought by a big corporation who right. obviously now manage Reddit to the goals and needs of the corporation. So it's not uh, it's not as vital or as fresh and independent as it once was. And of course, this is going to be true with anything Elon Musk does as well. He's a rich dude. So you've got a white rich dude who's going to uh, 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 run a media company that's going to criticize or rate other media companies. And it'll, it'll no doubt suffer from that in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, anyway, it'll, it looks like he's going to do it. It's going to be a tool. And... Um, you know, good good for him. We need more things like that. I think. If I can tie these two stories together, is is the is the cor- corporate world hoping that we just don't have time? I mean, t- for me to read a story, I wonder if that's. I wonder how legit this is, and then go do do my own investigating. I mean, there's only so many hours in the day, and I've got other things to do. I, I wonder if that's a part of the uh, overall plan. It's just like you were saying with the um, with the phones and the apps. The quote that you gave that you know they just keep us distracted with the latest app or or the latest whatever. And I think that's a part of it. There's just only so many hours, unless you're single or whatever uh, that you can only focus on finding out the truth because you've got a life to live. Yeah. Yeah, and I I don't know if it's 
part of the plan, but I think it's part of the assumptions built into what they oh. do. The fact that yeah, it's a bit like Trump, right? Trump can say whatever he wants, and we know that he lies 20 times before breakfast. Um, <laughs> and he knows no one's going to no one's gonna fact check it. And by the time they do fact check it, it's too late because he's moved on to the next yeah. 23 things. And also that his base probably doesn't care, even if it is a lie. They don't care about it. I mean, if they cared about integrity and ethics they wouldn't have voted for him in the first place they care about entertainment and big statements and um fucking burning burning the burning the place down that's what they care about you know exactly i still don't think that the the um enough people truly appreciate in america how just frustrated and angry angry we are and like you said this isn't just for the last four eight twelve fourteen years this is going back to reagan if if not you know longer than that we're just fed up with the average person's life who is struggling just to survive and the government's not doing shit all about it in fact there it's getting worse in a lot of ways and people would hire someone like a wrecking ball like trump just because they don't care anymore they're just pissed off and desperate yeah i think it, it it is actually interesting to trace the course of american the american public's um disenchantment with certainly uh washington um you go back to vietnam i think mm-hmm. um there yeah, was certainly well, there was. Yeah. A, if you go back to Nam and and a lot of the protests and the anger about Nam, and then you get to Nixon, then you get to both the Pentagon Papers, which demonstrated mm-hmm. that the government had been lying to people about Vietnam for years, and then you get to Nixon and Watergate, and then uh, with a brief respite. For a few years, you end up with Reagan and you end up with the Iran-Contra scandal and just yeah. constant lies uh, uh, and politicians getting away with telling lies constantly on a grand scale. Uh, yeah, I, I think, but I think it kind of goes back to goes back to Vietnam, really. I mean, Kennedy. Even Kennedy's enemies had a certain amount of respect for Kennedy. Probably the Kennedy assassination, I guess, maybe is where a lot of it started. Yeah. Know. He was the darling of a lot of people, and he was he had his head blown off. So, yeah. How do you not react to that? Speaking of which, I saw, it's not one of the stories that we've got today, but I saw that uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. has come out publicly now and said he believes there was a second shooter uh, mm. for his father. Um Interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Is he just uh, trying to get his name out there? Yeah. uh, Why would he be trying to do that? He's a Kennedy, man. He's American royalty. Yeah, but then if you're ever running for a higher office or office, you you just got to, you know, you just got to keep your name out there fresh. But but at this point, does it really matter if there was a second shooter? We don't have to go into that. Mm. Um, I wanted to just touch on this before we get into Trump news. Um, There was a school shooting. Obviously, there's been another one since then. Yeah. but uh, I got thinking about it when we talked about the school shootings last week. Mm-hmm. Is I don't hear about school shootings anywhere else in the world. It seems to be an American phenomenon. Right. Um, so I looked into it and tried to look for some data. Like, does it happen? Apparently, I'm not the only person asking that question. So CNN uh, did a, a tally. The US has had 
57 times as many school shootings as the other major industrialized nations combined. Two hundred and eighty-eight since two thousand nine, at least two hundred and eighty-eight versus two in Canada, two in France, one in Germany, and none for the rest of the world's industrialized countries. Right. Um. So, so why is is what the, the question fuck is going on? Why yeah. are school shootings a thing? Now, uh, in case you're sceptical about the data, CNN sort of broken down how they're measuring this. They say the definition, um, the parameters we followed in this count are shooting must involve at least one person being shot, not including the shooter. Shooting mm-hmm. must occur on school grounds. We included gang violence, fights, and domestic violence, but our count is not limited to these categories. We included grades kindergarten through college slash university level, as well as vocational schools. We included accidental discharge of a firearm, as long as the first two parameters are met. So it can be accidental, but shooting must involve somebody getting shot and on must yeah. happen on the school grounds. Because I know we, there, there have been stories that have come out saying, oh, there's an X number of school shootings happened in the United States so far this year. But then when you break down those numbers, some of them are just a, a gun accidentally going off and that sort of thing. It looks sounds worse than it is. But CNN is saying, no, it's really as bad as it looks. 288 uh, since uh, January 1st, 2009. But but again, I mean, you're, you're and I think I think it's right for you to break down their parameters because that's important when it comes to a study. But on the other side, who cares? Let's say they got it wrong and it's only 50 times higher, uh, 50 times higher than everybody else combined. And it's not 288. It's only 275. The point is, obviously, there's a massive problem that's probably very complex. Uh, it will take decades um, to unravel if we ever do start working on it, but we can't even agree what uh, what the underlying causes are. But the point is, you're right, this is an absolutely American problem that's not going to go anywhere, and it's not even going to begin to be worked on because the forces that are opposing each other can't agree on anything. And so this is the new America. This is the new wild West, whatever phrase you want to give it, but this is who we are. And the fact that we can't do anything about it or won't do anything about it is another definition of this is who we are. But even in countries where there are a lot of guns and a lot of violence, places like South Africa and Mexico and Afghanistan, Pakistan, Nigeria, Kenya, Azerbaijan. Mm. Um, There's still not school shootings. I think according to this list, there's eight in Mexico in that 10-year period, uh, six in South Africa, four in Pakistan, four in Nigeria, three in Afghanistan versus 288 in the United States. So... It, it's it's a it's an illness, man. Like I, I really yeah. okay. So we we hear a lot about mental illness. Oh well, it's all about mental illness. But you can't tell me there's more two hundred and eighty eight times the mental illness in the United States than there is in right Australia or or uh, uh, Switzerland or Japan or Argentina or the United Kingdom where there have been no school shootings. So it's yeah. not that. And we know there are more guns in the United States, and if you have more guns, you can have more shootings. But there are guns in other places as well. Um, yeah, you and I did this in, in our gun control series, breaking it all down. 
Like there, there are a fair amount of guns in Canada as well. Not as not as high a percentage of ownership as the United States, but certainly higher than Australia. Um, there have been two school shootings in Canada in that same time period versus 288. So you can't tell me mental health is yeah. 140 times worse in the United States than it is in Canada. Well, you can tell me that, but you need to back it up. So they've got guns. They've got mental health. They've got the same television, the same movies, the same hip hop, the same uh, yeah. whatever levels of atheism, uh, roughly, probably higher in Canada because I know some people blame it on. Well, they don't love the Lord. Yeah. So <laughs> hopes and prayers. So uh, is it a copycat syndrome? Do you think to, to disturb no. teenagers in America? Go. Oh, well, I heard about this, so I'm going to go do it. But the, the problem with that is teenagers around the world hear about gun sh- school shootings in the United States. So if it's a copycat syndrome, they should be copying it everywhere, yeah. right? It's not like right. it's 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 the, the the in this day and age, it's not the news is global. It's not just limited to to your country or your state. So what is it? Yeah, I I remember growing up in high school. Uh, I got seriously picked on a total of three times. So I'm not one of these people that's been bullied and harassed for years or whatever, but I'm just trying to imagine as far as the school shootings, because even though this is, these are staggering numbers, we haven't talked about shootings in the workplace. This is just in schools um, or, or just out and about in restaurants and movie theaters and that kind of stuff. So, but just imagine the environment that you'd have to be in where you are picked on so much and that you feel so hopeless or you just, you're going to find a way to get a gun, probably your parents' gun or wherever, and you're just going to go in and start shooting everybody. I mean, that's just something that I, I can't even imagine. So um, obviously there's something in our society, there's something in our schools, there's something in the families that just isn't working, and, and this is one of the many end results of it. You know, you were lucky, I guess, when you were getting involved in fights as people couldn't reach down that low to actually hit you. They have to get on their knees. <laughs> To be able to hit you, and, and then you could run, you could run away when they got on their knees. Thanks to... for backing me up, Cam. I I appreciate that. You know, you got to look at the positive. You got to look at the positive side of this. That's the way I look at it. That's my buddy. Always looking out for me. So it's a it's a no. weird yeah it's it's a really I mean I I don't even have a theory for this. If anyone has a theory on it, I'm I'd love to hear Please. it. I really yeah. don't understand what is going on with school shootings. All right, well, let's let's move on to your uh, illustrious leader. Um, I wanted to read this thing about collusion from The Atlantic first because, as, as I've said on this show a number of times, um, there have been rumours about um, the Trump campaign colluding with Russia for nearly two years now. Uh, we still haven't seen any hard evidence of that. And I keep saying, well, if they had it, we'd know about it, which suggests they don't have it. And it, it would have leaked out by now if they had some hard evidence. Um, but, the, but this guy uh, writing in The Atlantic says, well, yeah, we do know collusion happened. And, and, I, and I wanted to read this as a, I guess, a, a, a counter to yeah. that point of view that I've put forwards before. Now, I guess it depends on your evidence, your, your, your definition of collusion. So he's saying the Trump campaign, tr- people in Trump circle definitely colluded with foreign governments. And his 
examples of that are any meetings that people from the Trump side had with mm-hmm. Russians or Saudis, where, where, yeah, with foreigners, where there was a suggestion that one of the outcomes of the meeting would be that the Trump campaign would be given given damaging materials that could be used to harm the Clinton campaign. That in itself is collusion. Whether or not they got that information and and and, and were able to use it right. is beside the point. Because as far as we know, they didn't get anything out of the meetings that we know about. The famous June 2016 meeting at Trump Tower where Donald Jr. and Jared Kushner and Paul Manafort met with the Russian lawyer and it ended up turning into a meeting talking about the Magnitsky Act. So they didn't get anything uh, out of that. He goes, well, that's still collusion because they intended to get something. Even though they didn't get something, it's still collusion. When um, Eric Prince former chief of Blackwater, um, brother of Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos, uh, in August 2016 had a meeting at the Trump Tower where you had an Israeli social media specialist uh, and someone representing the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi uh, said they wanted to aid the Trump campaign. That's collusion. Whether or not they did aid it is immaterial. When George Papadopoulos, the campaign Trump campaign guy who had a, ch- a sort of sexy gay chat with Ale- Australian Alexander Downer, <laughs> uh, believed, uh, you know, he said he had conversations with at least two people with at least two people that he believed had connections to the Russian government. That's collusion, whether or not he got anything useful out of them. Roger yeah. Stone, when he claimed to have access to something via Guccifer 2.0 and or WikiLeaks or, or Russian intelligence. Well, not WikiLeaks. Well, I guess WikiLeaks is a foreign source, not a government source, definitely, though. That's mm-hmm. collusion. So he's saying, look, you can't say collusion didn't happen. Collusion did happen. Whether or not the collusion resulted in anything material is beside the point. And, I, and whether or not collusion is illegal, because obviously Giuliani's perspective right now is, yeah, well, Maybe they colluded, but that's there's nothing wrong with that. It's not against the law. But foreigners aren't allowed to participate or to help in American elections. So if I meet with a representative of uh, Russia or an Israeli or Middle Eastern countries, I don't get anything. There was nothing I could use. In fact, wasn't there an email by Don Jr. complaining about the, that they didn't get anything of substance? I mean, which itself could be a cover, but the point is, I'm still confused by this. Just because they didn't get anything doesn't mean they didn't try. And and I'm still going to hold out, not hold out hope that came out wrong, but I'm still going, I still have this belief that Mueller's got stuff, a whole bunch of stuff that we don't know. And so I don't think, um, I think things are still possible about someone being, someone up in the Trump family being charged. It's, it's just hasn't come out yet. And I think he's running a pretty tight ship. I think you're dreaming. I mean, he might charge them. Could be. But it's not yeah. going to be collusion-based. It's going to be fraud uh, or something or like that. Yeah. Well, no, lying, unless you're doing it in front of a jury, a judge, I don't think lying is against the law, um, unless you're doing it to the government or the juries. Right, special counsel, yeah. You can't yeah. lie to them. Yeah, yeah. But, um, 
you know, he might get them on some sort of a fraud charge or something to do yeah. with their financial records or that kind of stuff. But I don't. I think if there was anything tying them to mm. Ru- Russians in terms of swinging the election, we would know about it by now. Now, of course, um, there. This is a big matter of debate whether or not collusion, even with the Russians, is is illegal or not. Rudy Giuliani is saying it isn't. Kellyanne Conway, for what that's worth, um, is saying that it's not a crime. Um, so maybe, uh, I mean, maybe you can say collusion happened, but does it does it matter in the end? Probably not. Probably not. It's just all distraction. Uh, yeah. yeah. And j- just the whole thing that, um, again, another indication of where America's at Um they tried. It didn't happen. And you have to admit, for the Russian, for the uh, for the Trump team during the election, it was obviously amateur hour. How in the hell do you have two meetings in Trump Towers? Video, you know, emails going back and forth. I mean, j- just basic amateur mistakes. But at the end of the day, I don't think it matters anymore because people are so pissed at Washington. They probably applaud Trump for trying to bust up the system as usual. Going back to the other discussion. So again, I think you're right. I don't think it's going to matter what they come up with. Well, certainly not for his base. And and the people who aren't his right. base hate him anyway. So unless they, they can find it. a charge that sticks, right. um, and I don't think it's going to be anything to do with Russia. I think it's going to be, yeah, as I said, maybe fraud in some form. Just wrapping up with Trump, obviously the whole North Korean uh, Trump summit, the Kim Trump summit is... Um, <laughs> Just a typical clusterfuck of what you'd expect. Um, I, I love this. I was reading up on it in the Washington Post last week, and um, there was uh, this lo- this this line that I really liked. Uh, it said, "But the president's imagination collided with the reality of negotiations with a rogue and mistrusted regime." And I was like, which one is he talking about? Because um, I, I would define both of them as a rogue right, and mistrusted yeah. regime. I'm not exactly sure who he's talking about there. So I think the way this story is, is breaking down is that um, the summit was on, driven by Kim... Kim Jong-un had his nuclear tests, as we've talked about before, um, used that to bring South Korea to the table and the United States to the table. Um, He's the one that should get the Nobel Peace Prize, if anyone, as I said in a previous episode. Um, But then John Bolton, (laughs) crazy, crazy fucking John Bolton, who I thought we'd seen the last of 10 years ago after the George W. Bush administration. He's back. Now as back, baby. Now as a national security advisor to Trump, and uh, he he kind of uh, said some stuff that pissed off the NOCOs. Yeah, like, NOCO and SOCO. I saw somebody refer to them as. I like that. I'm going with that. Um. So and also then then SOCO and the US were running military exercises off the coast right like what the fuck who thought that was a good idea you're trying to have peace talks with noco 
Right. Historic peace talks. Yes, once in a life, exactly, exactly. Well, they've had other peace talks. It's not once in a lifetime. No, I'm talking about the president. Once in a the president actually getting up there once in face a, to face. Yeah, once in every 10 year peace talks. Um, my, major potential PR win for him, even though he's got really nothing to do with it. Major PR win. Uh, and they, they run fucking military exercises uh, next door. Like, where, who thought that was a good idea? No, I just and I and I'm I've hurt my arm patting myself on the back because the last time we said there's no way Kim is giving up nuclear weapons, and so not only are those they running those military exercises that you just talked about, but John Bolton can't keep his mouth shut shut about the Libya model about Muammar Gaddafi, and I think even Pence said something, and so this guy, so Kim uh, Jong Un is probably going, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, because I remember two weeks ago. It was just out now. We're oh, we're going to de- de- denuclearize the uh, Korean Peninsula. They were just putting out these incredible, incredible expectations. And you and I know that if you and I are fighting and we come to, we, we agree to meet. At that point, you don't say anything. You don't do anything. You fucking lay low and you give some banal statements about, I'm really looking forward to meeting this guy. I hope we can work something out for everybody. And, and that's it. You don't do anything else. They screwed the pooch massively, no Vaseline. And this guy starts reacting and saying horrible things about Mike Pence about to pull out of this, which they've done a billion times that I can remember in the last 20 years. Yeah, and, you know, this gets back to the same motivations, I think, that I ascribe to Trump axing the uh, nuclear deal with Iran. The the mm-hmm. military-industrial complex in the United States doesn't want peace with North Korea. It doesn't want... wants tension. Yeah, it doesn't want peace with Iran. You can't build uh, up military budgets if you've got peace. Peace isn't good. Mm-hmm. For the Pentagon, no one, no one right. wants, no one wants peace. You want, the, you want the likelihood that you could go to war at any minute. That's what's good for business if you're yeah. in the business of war, right? So I think that's what's going on here. We saw it with Iran. We've seen it with this now. Um, it's yeah, uh, it, it's all. It's not a good thing if you're in the war business, uh, signing pieces. You want to, you want to. You want to crash it as much as you can, and you want to blame the other guy as much as you can. Right. 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 If I could, if I could support that for a second, I put up a, a graph on the bullshit filter on Facebook. In the fiscal year 2015 for the United States, the military spending was projected to be 54 percent of all federal discretionary spending, a total of 598.5 billion. Dollars Now, obviously, that's everything with Department of Defense, war spending, nuclear weapons spending, international military assistance, Pentagon, stuff like that. But 54% of our federal discretionary spending in one year, it was 54% of our budget. So, yeah, these guys, it's all about ramping up, ramping up, keeping the tension, getting even more money the next year because it's good for business. Uh, in some ways, war would actually be really bad for business. It's just the thought, the potential threat of war that keeps that keeps this going and as you know we've talked about many times but we for new listeners we did three hours on our cold war show about the economics of war it's not just the guys that make the bombs and the bullets and the guns or run the soldiers Mm -hmm. 
it's many, many thousands and thousands of American businesses that profit from war in one way, shape or form, or the ramp yeah. up for war anyway. Yeah, so Bolton basically had come out and said that, uh, you know, what they wanted to get out of the summit was basically what he calls the Libya model, which was uh, completely destroying all of NOCO's uh, ability to defend itself, really. And uh, so the the NOCO said, well, fuck that. We're not, when that's not even on the table, right? Um, yeah. And so then the Americans started amping up uh, their rhetoric. It, it spiraled out of control. Trump ended up pulling the pin on the summits to to get there first before Kim did right. it because yeah. he didn't. He, that's Trump's model. Hey, if anyone's going to burn this house down, it's going to be me. <laughs> so he pulled the pin on it. Um, then the North Koreans put out a public, an open letter saying, well, we're really disappointed you did that. We were looking forward to it. So then he wrote an open letter back going, well, maybe we can do it. You know, maybe it's not it's not over until it's over, till the fat lady sings. And right. uh, then I love the fact that somebody took Trump's letter and uh, took a red pen to it and corrected it for all of its <laughs> grammatical mistakes yeah. and uh, typos. And, 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 and here's the thing. <laughs> If West Wing, the TV show, taught me anything, it's that the president doesn't write his own statements. Yeah. You know, Toby takes a cut at it and... and, and Sam Seaborn, yeah. To- Toby and Sam <laughs> take drafts at it and then, you know, then they give it to Josh uh, to look at. Then it goes to the State Department to, to look yeah. at and, and make some amendments. It goes back to Toby and Josh and Sam and then it goes to Leo, and Leo marks it up, chief of staff. Then it goes to the president. Right. And the president will make his own adjustments, and then maybe it goes back to Sam and Toby once more. And then, it, you know, so when it goes out, it looks like it was written by somebody who, A, can speak English, and B, knows what's going on, right? And, right. and it, it's aligned with policy, but... Apparently, no, nah, that's not how the Trump no. White House works. Trump tweets what he's going to say, and then they cut and paste the tweets just <laughs> onto White House stationery and put it out. There, there was one part of the letter where he, write, he writes, you talk about your nuclear capabilities, but ours are so massive and powerful that I pray to God they will never have to be used. <laughs> so that's how you end a letter with a nuclear, another nuclear power. Oh my god. Dude, what is going but on? If it makes you feel any better, he started out the letter with his excellency. So, you know, <laughs> little, you know, a good cop bad cop within the same letter by the same person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, amateur hour. Yeah, man, it's it's uh, who knows what's going on. But again, I, I think the bottom line to learn from all of this, the, the, the thing I urge everyone to keep in mind is that American uh, the, the, the military industrial complex doesn't want peace. It wants, it wants war or the likelihood of war so they can use it to ramp up their budgets. In times of peace, military budgets tend to go down and the money gets spent on other things like infrastructure and health care and education. <laughs> Unimportant things. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
which is all fine and good, but um, if you're the CEO of a company where 10% of your revenue comes from Pentagon mm-hmm. contracts, you want that 10% revenue, man. You, you can't afford to live without that 10% revenue. And when you've got thousands or tens of thousands of businesses in America that are in that situation where 10% of their revenue comes from Pentagon contracts every year, they're going to be uh, pressuring their local congressman or, or, or man or woman, their local senators, to uh, make sure that money's still coming in. And yeah. uh, in times of peace, that money ain't coming in. So it's it's not in their best interests, which is right. the, the, the simple way of thinking about it, I guess. Which gets us back to Chris Hedges and the coming collapse because it's uh, it's a broken model. And that's the show for this week, folks. Yeah. Any fi- final statements, Papa Bear? Just the last thing. So not only did uh, Trump uh, end the thing, but he blamed it on the president of China. So again, he, he takes a really bad uh, diplomatic move and he makes it even worse by throwing China under the bus. So again, good move, Trump. Thanks for everything you've done so far. <laughs> America's great again. And if you like this show, uh, jump onto Facebook, go to the Bullshit Filter, like the page, keep in touch with us. Um, plug, Give the show a plug to your friends. Jump on Facebook, get the link Please. for the show. Give us a plug on Facebook or Twitter Harassing. or something like that. Just uh, if you think your friends and family would enjoy listening to us talk about the news, give us a plug. Just not every day. <clears throat> Let's not get crazy. Once a month. Once a month. Cam and That'll Ray Day. Just Cam and Ray Day. Yeah. Put it in your diary. Once I like a month. That. Once a month, give Cam and Ray. Plug the show or plug uh, the podcastnetwork.com. Up there, you'll find a link to all of our history shows, except yeah. that mm-hmm. except that little one that Ray does by himself. Um, <clears throat> you find a plug to all of our shows. And uh, yeah, yeah. I share all of my shows with Ray, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the love doesn't come back both ways is what I've learned over the years. It's uh, what's mine is yours and what's yours is yours. It's just like any That's marriage. It's a solid business model. Exactly. It's a, it's a marriage, exactly. yeah. Mm. Yes. All right. Talk to you next week, folks. If I can find my outro music. <laughs>